Welcome to the Stewardship Leader Podcast, brought to you by the Christian Stewardship Network. CSN exists to encourage, teach, and connect church and stewardship leaders to help them create and lead healthy stewardship ministries in their church. You can learn more about CSN at christianstewardshipnetwork.com. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Stewardship Leader. I'm your host, Leo Sabo, and I am excited today to really share a new uh, series of podcasts we're going to do, introducing some stewardship leader from our network. Uh, And today with me, I have Ken Schaefer. Ken, would you say hi to everybody? Hey, good afternoon or good morning, depending on where you are. Well, Ken is one of our stewardship leaders. He's been connected with CSN for many, many years. We've known each other for about a dozen years or so. And I thought about bringing him on and really starting this series because what we want to do is introduce you to different leaders that are in our network that have walked this journey of serving in stewardship ministry, but really start with uh, how did God bring them into this ministry? Because some of you that are listening are in that phase where you're either volunteering and maybe you have a desire to go further in this ministry. Maybe that's something that God's put on your heart. And I feel like these testimonies that we're going to hear and these stories are, are going to bring some light, shed some light into that, whether God's calling you to full-time ministry. And so we hope this will speak to you, but also learn about what they're doing. So hopefully that'll help you if you're serving this ministry. What's Ken doing? What are others doing uh, that you can learn from and put that into practice in your own ministry? So Ken, why don't we just start with, first of all, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you and your family, and then start with what is your personal stewardship story? Sure. Well, my name's Ken. I'm a uh... 51 years old, graduated in 1988 from high school, which means we have all the best music and, and on the playlist in my head and on my phone. So uh, um, just a little bit about me. Love 80s music. I'm married. I've been married. Uh, this February will be 25 years. And awesome. Julie and I have two adopted children. Aaron, my daughter, is 13. And Derek is eight years old. And they keep me running and hopping. A lot of my contemporaries have grandchildren, but not me. I'm struggling to just keep up with my with the preteen and the young teenager that I've got. Uh, we live in the in Franklin, which is south of Nashville. So we're in the Nashville area. Um, and I currently serve at Brentwood Baptist Church. And I can rewind and tell you a little bit how I got here, if that's, that's what we want to do. Yeah, let's do that. Tell us how, how did God work in your lives and, and you and your wife, obviously, because you guys have been on this journey together. How has God worked in your life? What is that shift maybe that happened and how did God put this on your radar and then eventually called you into full-time ministry? Yeah. If you've ever been in a church service where that guy stands up and he says I, this amazing testimony about how he was involved in gangs and drugs and there narrowly escaped prison and met the Lord. Um, I have the exact opposite testimony of that I grew up in a very, uh, I was going to say boring, but that would be an insulting, but a very, like a, a very normal Christian home. If there ever was such a thing, my, I was born, my father was in seminary. Mm. Uh, and so I, I grew up and, and he didn't stay in the ministry very long, but I grew up in that home. So no teenage rebellion, nothing like that. But from a young age, I always had this desire to be uh, two things, rich and generous. Mm. And I wrestled with the scriptural implications of, of those desires. You know, one is command and one is cautioned. Hmm. And when I was 21, actually just about 30 years ago, right now, my father gave me a very revolution, had a revolutionary conversation with me. He rarely challenges me with unsolicited advice, but I just graduated from college. And he said to me, you know, 
I'm going to challenge you to start tithing. Said your mother and I uh, have not been consistent in that over the years. You know, there have been some economically hard times. In the last years, we've done that, and God has really started to bless that practice. He said, you're on your own by any measure. You're an adult, and you get to decide. And so I was involved in this small church plant, and I started tithing. And when you're involved in a small church plant making good money at age 21, like they actually ask you, you know, what what happened? I'm like, oh, no, my dad told me I should start doing this. Mm-hmm. That was the start of a financial habit and a generosity journey that um, – lasted from then till now. And I built a business, um, a reasonable sized business, spent a lot of years building a business and doing bivocational ministry. And in 2008, I was in leadership at this small church, 30, 40, maybe 50 people. Uh, All of them were struggling with money. I had a different set of struggles with money than what they had, but they all wanted to learn. So I came across Financial Peace University and taught that class to a whole church. And most people's FPU story is that they use it to get out of debt. Mine was that God used financial peace to prepare my wife and my family for blessings that were coming in 2011 when we were privileged to be able to sell our business. That's an influx of cash that most people never receive. And frankly, a lot of people handle poorly, but God used that experience to prepare us for the next one. Uh, The company that bought me was not interested in having me continue beyond a year. And so I found myself with a non-compete in the only industry that I knew looking for next steps. And in late 2012, early 2013, I was kind of looking for what was going to be next. And I fell over backwards, more or less, into a stewardship role at the church I was then attending in Miami, Florida, Christ Fellowship, and got some great training from CSN, uh, read a ton of books, and really got addicted to this idea that if people aren't managing their money well, if they aren't stewarding everything that they have, they are going to be stuck spiritually. Mm. So stewardship is never just about what we give or how we manage, but it's about, it's about growing. And if you're not intentional in those, in those areas of practice, what are essentially spiritual discipline, budgeting is a, is a financial practice. It's also a spiritual discipline, right? I think most stewardship people would agree with that. Uh, so I served that church three or four years, and then uh, in an interesting twist, ended up at Ramsey Solutions for a little bit over three years, uh, left that job in early 2021, went on sabbatical and started a season stepping into a role of stewardship ministry at Brentwood Baptist, and I helped create that role before coming here was even on my radar because this is the church that we're part of. Hmm. So that was a, it's kind of a monologue, but that gives you a little bit of who I am, what I've done. Yeah, that's great. So you started serving at Brentwood about a year ago then? August 1st in 2021. Was there a stewardship ministry? You said that you were basically developing the job description before you actually took it. Was there a stewardship ministry? What was going on before you took that role? Uh, in In the immediate just before I took the role for one or two years, there was nothing going on in this role. Mm. Prior to that, they had a, a, a guy, I, I sort of think him of as Daniel in scripture. Daniel's one of those people that nobody ever says anything bad about. Mm. And the guy that had this role before me, I've been privileged to meet him once or twice. He was a pheno- He is a phenomenal human being. Stewardship was something they gave him to do. Mm. And he was interested in it. I don't know that he had done many different roles inside the church. Uh, and was good at stewardship. His his primary uh, development here was in um, was in estate giving. He seemed to to work a lot inside that space. 
Um, so in terms of, a, of an intentional role where they're like, hey, we want to work on stewardship development and we want to hire a guy to help us do that, that had not existed for a couple of years. And before that, the focus was not quite the same. Yeah, I understand. That's good. So what is the most challenging part of serving in the ministry? Now you've been in it for a year. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you've been doing trying to get this ministry started. This is uh, valuable to a lot of folks who are thinking about that or in that process. Uh, what are some of the challenges you're seeing? How are you doing it? Uh, I'm one month short of, of a year here, and I did a similar role for three or four years in South Florida. And I would say that the most challenging part is the pace. Hmm. And here's what I mean by that. Stewardship people Everyone that I've ever met, and I've met a ton, especially working at Ramsey, it was my job to talk to stewardship champions and every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, stewardship people are among the most passionate of all ministry volunteers. And I believe the reason for that is that many stewardship champions have had a significantly transformative experience through their through an encounter with biblical stewardship. They were headed one direction in their life or experiencing a certain set of problems. There was a catalyst, a mentor, a class. Something changed, and it radically altered the trajectory of their lives. So stewardship people are really passionate. I mean, they want everybody to do a budget. They want everybody to be generous. They want everybody to think about estate planning all the time. Whatever their niche is, they're passionate. Uh, Brentwood is an organization with a couple hundred employees, and they were doing stuff before I got here. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like there was 10 or 20% of margin in the schedule of every campus pastor that they had just blocked out and said, Man, when the stewardship guy gets here, then we can get to work. So everybody was already doing their thing, whatever it was. And so that when I say pace is the most challenging thing, what I mean is when you step in, you want everybody to embrace everything you have to offer and everything you believe biblically is true with the same passion level of intensity that you have. Um, that usually is not the case. Right. And you're laughing because you've, you've lived that in a couple of different ministry cycles. Yeah, yeah that's that's good. Um, and it's it's really important that you bring that out because I think it could be somewhat disappointing or even um, you might lose some steam thinking, gosh, people don't get it. Maybe I'm in the wrong place. Or you might even work harder to try to get people to embrace it. And there's wisdom to say, you know, Rome wants it built in a day. And changing culture and changing mindset, even the staff, because that's where you really want to start. Mm-hmm. You want the staff to come on board with this so that the, the whole staff and the leadership is is portraying one kind of one heart about stewardship and generosity, that there's no different mm-hmm. voices uh, or competing voices about what it is and how we should practice it. So, yeah, that's that's really good, Ken, because it's important to take time to plan, to execute and just know that over time, it's just one of those things that's going to take time to develop. But when it's there, when people finally get it, um, it it's, yeah, it makes a big difference. I had this uh, call when I was on staff at, at Gateway. I had this call from this guy that had multiple, multiple uh, meetings and talked about stewardship over the years. He would recommend people uh, that I would meet with, people he would come across in his own ministry. And he was overseeing different. One of them was like single ministry. He was overseeing marriage and family for a while. So he calls me one day and says, Leo, I finally got it. I'm like, you got what? He says, I finally get the stewardship thing. He's, I was meeting with this couple and and they said some things, I said some things and it finally dawned on me, everything you've been saying all these years, like everything has to do with stewardship. And I'm like, why did it take you so long <laughs> to finally get it? 
Do, do you know, when I started in this, and I, I love this team that I served with. They're a very healthy team. I, as stewardship people, we simply see things mm-hmm. differently. Yeah. So um, I, I also do some consulting work with, um, with Generis. And years ago, two guys with that organization, Jim Shepard and Chris Willard, wrote a book, and they teach something in there that you also teach in your CSN Impact Forum, which is every change in giving, when something changes in the financial situation, like it's a pastoral opportunity. So when I started here, kind of one of my things was like, hey, if I can figure out a way to give you an appropriate level of information around giving changes, positive or negative, do you, you know, are, are you interested in that? To which I received the look that goes back to my first comment, like we're already busy. Mm. So it took me, it took me um, here at Brentwood, we call it North Winding, which comes from a management system. You have to set out, it's almost like sales. You set out like the result of something and let people kind of walk themselves into it. So it, it, it took a while, but as we've kind of had different experiences here, now I have people saying, oh, that information you're providing is actually, is actually quite helpful. Mm. And, and we're just getting started. We're just getting started with that. Yeah, that's great. The the most challenging part of stewardship ministry, and I think maybe other ministries would say the same, is simply the pace. You want to run faster than the people around you. Yeah, yeah. Just straight up. And the reason is because you're passionate, your life has been transformed, and I'm excited about all those things, and um, it's just going to take a while. Yeah, Uh, well, that's that's, that's great. Uh, So in regards to the ministry, what are you focused on most right now? Yeah, so we when I started here, the first the first project was a capital campaign. So that was exciting because this is a pretty large organization, and we did not have a lot of runway. So executing that was kind of my first I don't know seven or eight months. Mm. Uh, it was I, I was on a very steep learning curve, and I would say this: I would say that stewardship ministry and capital campaigns are not incompatible. And I think the the, the best people in both of those spaces. Uh, would agree with that, um, but executing those kinds of ministries, is, it's it's just different. So we were doing that for my my first little bit here, and two things that I'm focused on right now uh, have to do with uh, I, I think of stewardship and and is a ground war in ministry. There's an air war, which is kind of what's happening at the pulpit level, and then there's a ground war, which is what we're doing down here. So we don't have a lot of air war scheduled with stewardship topics for the next. 14 or 16 months, which means the ground war is what I'm concentrating on in two areas of focus. Um, one is helping give the campus pastors a real vision into what's going on in stewardship in their campuses. Um, not for the purposes of fundraising or money raising, it's really for the purposes of people raising. So when I look at them, I do, uh, it's an idea I got from Steve Carter, actually, he's on the CSN board. He, he does a quarterly report, which I basically ripped off and kind of tweaked the format a little bit. And everybody here thinks I'm a genius. I think he got it from somebody else too, but I'll give him credit. Uh, and then I meet with each campus pastor once a quarter. I look at that and I help them understand based on what's going on with their overall giving and generosity statistics at their campus, what's happening with their people and how they need to talk to them, what messaging they need to adjust. And that has been very eye-opening and I think fruitful. Uh, so that's focus number one. We have eight campuses and 11 worship environments. So if I meet with those guys once a quarter, it feels about the right room. Uh, the second thing is really working on retooling is not the right word, but being significantly more intentional about how we how we manage our offerings 
in this congregation, like all ministries, all churches, we have a consistent way that we've done things for many years. Mm. And I think there's some opportunity, there's some opportunities that are lost there. So I'm help, helping create new opportunities by rethinking that. And next, um, probably about the time this podcast airs, I'll be meeting with all the worship leaders from our multiple campuses and say, hey, what are you trying to accomplish with this moment? Who are you talking to? What's your, what's your vision? What, what problem are you trying to solve? You have 90 to 120 seconds. Are, can you use it for discipleship or are we trying to put in an announcement? So those are two areas. And then I'm at that same, same meeting, that same seminar with, uh, with our campus pastors probably a little bit later in the summer. This episode of the Stewardship Leader Podcast is sponsored by Horizons Stewardship. Horizon Stewardship helps church and faith-based nonprofit leaders grow disciples and fund ministry through a collaborative framework that is tailored to the unique culture of the church. After more than two decades of working with thousands of churches to raise billions of dollars for ministry projects, Horizons has refined a deeply integrated, spiritually focused approach that consistently results in more ministry funding and more effective disciple-making strategies. Horizons ministry team of international coaching federation trained coaches are ready to help you discover a proven effective process that will empower you to move forward with clarity and confidence. Churches that partner with Horizons on average experience a double digit increase in giving within the first 12 months. Learn more about Horizons stewardship by visiting horizons.net. In terms of focus, that's my focus. Also on my desk, Unrelated to stewardship, we have a Chinese congregation, and and I'm friends with the pastor. And when he goes on on vacation, I get to preach for him, which is awesome because I don't speak Chinese, so I get to be interpreting consecutively. So this is what I'd say: if you're going to be in stewardship ministry, be ready just to like do anything. Yeah, I like the model that you picked up, obviously from Steve, and I'm sure, like you said, I think you picked it up from others. But especially with the multi side, I think this is really crucial for those that are listening to understand is that. Our desire, especially when you talked about pace, like we want to do so much and we want to impact every person that's at our church, but especially when you're a multi-site, that's almost impossible to do effectively. So you have to find ways to leverage the people that are already in positions of authority. And a stewardship leader somewhat shifts from the doer to more of the consultant and the person that's actually sharing the vision and how how to equip those that are going to be in front of people and those that are going to kind of be in charge of the stewardship, whether it's directly or indirectly, it's important to equip those folks to understand. And it's part of what I think your quarterly meetings are probably accomplishing, hopefully, and I believe they are, that it's helping them to understand the relevance of it, why it's important, how to navigate through it. Because so many pastors that are in those roles, stewardship, it may not be their strength. And frankly, some of them are even like, I don't really want to talk about money. It's something that I don't, I'm not good at. And you being able yeah. to help them to see it from a different perspective and te- teach on it and speak on it with authority and boldness. I think that's a, that's a great part of the, you know, the opportunity you have. So that's awesome. Yeah. I say it this way. We have eight, if you've ever read the book, multi-church, mm-hmm. there's a there's different models of doing multi-site ministry. And there's some that are video driven and, and Brentwood Baptist where I serve. It was actually listed in that book as an example of like a, a federated model. So our campuses have a high degree of autonomy, no video stream, no, like it, it, you could easily attend one of those campuses and not know you're part of a larger church system. Hmm. And I was meeting with, here's just an example of what you're saying. I, we have a, 
uh, we have some great communicators on our team. I mean, just phenomenal. And one of them is world-class. And I was meeting with him and I said, tell me your giving story, which is a great way to start a conversation with a pastor. And so he tells me, he's like, we were 19, we were 20. I don't remember, really young. We were just married. We didn't have enough money to, uh, to do anything, but somebody challenged us to tithe and we did. And somehow when we did that, we always had enough money. I said, man, that is a great story. What does your congregation say when you when you tell that story? And he gave me a look. He says, I've never told them that story. Wow. <laughs> and then he said, I said, he says, Do you think I should? I'm like, Yeah, yeah. you know, you you might you might want you might want to consider saying that. Like, I mean, that's that's the kind of thing. And, and in in our world, it's uh, and I think a lot of people are like this. They've used stewardship is um it's it's about getting, it's not about equipping, and and that's just it's simply not true. And stories and examples inspire people. I mean, no matter what your story is, like you should tell that story because somebody's going to resonate with it. Yeah, that's good. It's good. Well, it's it's wonderful that you're able to bring your experience, your knowledge, um, and share these these you know opportunities with these pastors to really understand it at a deeper level. I think you're serving well in that area. All right, Ken. So, uh, what concerns you the most, and what excites you the most right now in stewardship ministry? Yeah, I have been in this in this season for whatever reason. I have been reminded of the the life changing nature of critical conversations. Mm. And here's what I mean by that: When my father challenged me at 21 years old, I didn't know it at the time. It was a it was a defining moment in my life. I just didn't I didn't know it. And so, a reality that I found is that most people have never had that conversation. Mm. Or never been challenged in a way that's personally defining. And so as I've gotten more traction here and the relationships go deeper, I've gotten to sit with people and have those conversations. And I'll actually set it up that way. I'll say this conversation is potentially defining for the rest of your life. And I actually had a um, had a guy a couple months ago I was meeting with. He, act, he literally started shaking mm. As I was talking with him and he said, what you're saying right now is rocking my world, Mm. man. You know what? I don't care what you do or what you like doing. That is the kind of conversation that simply does not get old. And I am excited about being in an environment where I get to have those conversations with people, sometimes with staff members. I mean, it's, it's great. One of the cool things about being in stewardship ministry, and it's an advantage we have over every other minister or pastor no one is surprised when you talk to them about stewardship. Like they kind of expect it. Yeah. And so that it just makes things easier. Like you, you, you don't have to work into that. You can just kind of dive right in. And, and I've really, I'm really enjoying that in this season. Um, I do my, my concern for stewardship kind of over the next year or two really is economic. It's where we're headed as a country to uh, we have, you know, essentially a bear market at the time of this recording um, for for stocks and investments are tanking and people's idea of wealth that's just going to continue to increase and increase and increase creates a problem and an opportunity. Mm-hmm. I don't know what your portfolio looks like, but mine looks a lot different than it did six months ago. Yes. Um, so that creates a problem and an opportunity. And at the same time, the increase, the inflation, the increase in cost of operating a church but these these two things coming together are going to create some challenges, not just in stewardship, but in overall church operation. And I think there's there's two things. There's an opportunity there because it makes total sense to talk about stewardship in that context. Yeah. There's also a, the, a potential obstacle, which is churches may overreact. Mm. 
and go too far to one extreme and how they teach, or they may react um, in a way that's not timely. They may react too late. They need to be in front of it. So that's kind of what I see on the, on the horizon. That's good. Well, I do think churches who have a a focus on stewardship and even hopefully someone that's full-time focused on it, someone like like yourself, uh, stand a better chance of looking at those this situation and not overreacting, not going one extreme or the other, but actually take the opportunity that's in front of them and leverage it for the right mm-hmm. way. Cause this is, you know, we know economics are important, but they're not the most important thing. Uh, it's more about the spiritual journey that people on God's promise to provide, whether that's for the individual or for his church. So we should never lose sight of that and never overreact or, or out of fear, do something that we uh, shouldn't be doing. It does force us, not force us, that's the wrong way to say it. It gives us the opportunity to uh, to refocus what's really about and and get back to the basics and, and say, God, you know, if, the, if you've somehow reduced our resources, then how do we still do what you call us to do with what we have? So, uh, yeah, there's it's, it's a pruning, so to speak. And in the, in, the, in the Brentwood area where I serve, this is an extremely wealthy area. Our, the central one of our campuses is very well off. Uh, and Middle Tennessee in general is becoming that way because people from California and mm-hmm. Texas and Illinois, wherever, they're all moving here and they're bringing their Silicon Valley job with them. Yeah. So we have a, but, but it creates a spiritual challenge. Rich man through the, uh, the camel through the eye of the needle. I mean, this is, a, is your security found in your wealth or is it found in God? And the opportunities that we're going to have to talk about that are, we don't want to miss them Yeah, because all the reasons you just said, I'm just, I'm piling on to your yeah, commentary. Awesome. Yeah. Again, it's up, every time we see a financial a hiccup, uh, I think it's more opportunity for us to, to do what God's called us to do. And that's to bring the attention to what really matters. And that's our relationship with him. It's a heart issue, not a money issue. It's good. So sure. uh, as we kind of wrap this up, Ken, uh, what is the best advice that you would give a stewardship leader or champion, someone that's serving in this role or is looking at serving in this role? Sure. There's two things that I jotted down to say. The first is real obvious, and it's a shameless plug, although I'm not on the board of CSN. Uh, I, I personally financially support this organization and have for years. Christian stewardship, if you, Christian stewardship Network, if you have any call to this kind of ministry and you're not at it, then I kind of question your calling. Like You need to show up because <laughs> the Stewardship Impact work, Workshop uh, and the resources that are at CSN, I mean, I, I think I've taken that thing a half a dozen times and I still refer back to my manuals. Mm-hmm. Uh, it will equip you and it will help keep you sharp. If you're already equipped, you're still going to learn something new. But then the other piece of advice would be what I started with patience, mm-hmm. the Ramsey solutions. It was my job to sell financial peace university, which is great stewardship and money management content. And you typically start inside a church organization with the person who's most passionate about stewardship and almost to a man or a woman, what those people are is frustrated. And they're frustrated that they can't get everybody to do the thing that they want to do their way. And so when I was on that team, there's certain ways that you deal with that and help them work through it. Now that I'm back inside a church context for the second time, I have to keep telling the, reminding myself of those lessons. I'm passionate about this and the dance card was already full before I got here. So I would say if you are, if you're a stewardship leader, if you're a champion, be at CSN uh, and uh, remember Remember, your your influence can be stewarded, and if you steward it for a longer time than a shorter time, it's probably probably going to have better odds of success. Yeah, that's good. It's the marathon, not the sprint approach. I love it. 
You know, I was just going to say, my first stewardship impact, you guys talked about, you always overestimate what you can do in one year and underestimate what you can do in 10 or adjust the numbers. And that yeah. is great advice. Yeah, it's great. Great. I appreciate that because uh, a lot of folks get very uh, excited and very um, willing to just, you know, kind of push over the world to, to get accomplished mm-hmm. something. But but just the idea of planning and executing and being methodical about doing and knowing that it's going to take time. And uh, yeah. Uh, and slow and steady wins the race kind of thing. And this is important because you're trying to change culture and culture change takes years and sometimes decades. So don't mm-hmm. be frustrated, be encouraged that this is part of the process. And like you said, you know, when you have these conversations where somebody will make a statement like you're rocking my world, well, you realize that that one life, that one change, that one impact is going to have the ripple effect that it's intended to have, right? And that's what it's about. And that's the opportunity we get as stewardship leaders. Well, Ken, thank you so much for taking time to uh, to be with us today. I appreciate your story. Uh, I got to know a little bit deeper of where you've been and what you've been doing. <laughs> and I'm excited for this new role that you have. It's not new anymore since you've been there for a little over a year, almost a year. Yeah. But I'm excited that you're back in in the stewardship trenches, so to speak, with uh, because I, I know that what you're going to learn, you're going to bring to CSN and to others. Uh, so thank you. Thank you for your time. Yeah. Hey, can I plug something? Sure. Please do. Okay. If you're watching the video, I'm holding up a book. This is a a workbook that I wrote based on some work I did in Africa over the last two years. And the basic idea was to contextualize biblical stewardship to be taught and specifically in an East African context. Hmm. And it was an interesting exercise. We couldn't find content that did this well, which is why we wrote our own. And we contextualized five basic stewardship principles, put them into an East African application and learning style. And you can get by the time this airs, there will be a free version of it on Kindle. It's not a money making thing, uh, but if you are part of a church, and this happens a lot to stewardship people. They say we're doing a missions trip to Africa, and we want you to teach about money. The reality is, we haven't found good resources. We think this one will help you. So look it up; it'll be free. Leo will have the link by the time this airs. Yeah, we'll we'll add that link so that you guys have access to it. And I do encourage you to check that out. You know, even if you're not doing you yourself are not doing these uh, teachings. Uh, you might run across someone that is at another church. And so a resource like this could be very invaluable. I've been to Africa. And if you don't know the context, you may be speaking about something that's just not connecting with that audience. So you need to understand it. And this resource sounds like it's uh, it's taken all of that into account. So I think it's a valuable resource. So if you are doing anything in relation to mission work, especially in the area of stewardship, this will be helpful. All right, Kent. Well, thank you so much for being with us. And for the, for those of you that are listening, thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you've enjoyed it, do us a huge favor and like and subscribe to this podcast so that we continue to have a, a broader uh, reach. People will find it and listen to it. This will speak to them. It'll minister to them. And that's our desire, that more people would be connected to this content, especially those that are called to stewardship ministry. Let someone else know, another a leader or pastor, Uh, about this resource and about CSN. Uh, And if we can serve you in any way, that's what we're here for. We're here to serve the stewardship leader and the church leader that wants to understand how to manage money God's way, but also how to teach others how to do it. That's our passion. You can find out more about us at christianstewardshipnetwork.com and just take advantage of all the resources we have. They're built there for you and for your benefit. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time on Stewardship Leader.